Hello everybody and welcome to this latest episode of the Endless Celtics podcast. I'm delighted to be joined again today by our show regulars Anthony and Ross. How are you boys doing? Good mate. Old Very mate well boy. John. Uh, good good ready to go. Uh, yep, lot to talk about. I'm glad to have you back on and honoured again to be joined by uh, Celtic State of Minds Laura Bradburn. Laura, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um... Uh, a good week for a change, so uh, happy to be on and talk about Celtic instead of uh, and be a bit more positive about it instead of picking out the holes in the performance or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the things that for well, that's all we've really been talking about for the past year <laughs> during lockdown is uh, just issues and the, there's not been much in terms of positivity, but things are certainly heading in the right direction. Uh, and just to get right into it, as we see there, uh, just on Sunday. Um, obviously uh, Celtic's first home game uh, of the SP, uh, SPFL season against Dundee uh, got off to an absolute flyer with a 6-0 result um, we're going to touch on obviously player performances and everything else like that but firstly let's just go back to just in terms of the game itself um, Anthony I'll come to you first mate what what was yep. your overall sort of opinion uh, of the game on Sunday What and how we played I thought it was Absolutely magnificent performance, John. Um, the best we've seen for a long, a long time. Um, everything just seemed to come together. That I think you can just see for yourself just what it means to have a crowd back at Celtic Park. The way they reacted, uh, obviously, we'll touch on Kyogo in a little while. Um, we'll you know sort of single him out uh, for special treatment uh, tonight. But I just felt even there was points in the first half he was chasing back to the halfway line and to, almost on her own 18-yard line, closing the ball down and you know tackling and getting involved. And the, the fans were reacting to that. And you wouldn't—we totally missed that last season. Um, for first minute to last, we controlled the game. Uh, the energy was there. The pace was up. I think the players are now starting. We're really starting to see the way that Ange is um, trying to get the team to play. And it just all came together perfectly yesterday. And obviously, buoyed on by the, the little uh, positive result we got for Tanadice as well the day before, it just made for a great weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I think everybody would agree with that sentiment. And, and, and you do, I don't want to talk or touch on it too much, but uh, the result of Tanadice certainly uh, put a spring in the steps as fans. Anyway, especially after having to listen to all the nonsense the, the week prior. <laughs> Um, after we came off the back of the game of hearts. But uh, just coming to yourself, uh, Laura, I know that you've obviously spoke about this uh, in detail uh, on Axon, but um, just uh, if you could touch on that again for us, um, how, how, what was your overall sort of thoughts and reaction to uh, the game on Sunday and, and, and the, the goals that we've scored? Um, well, I think for me there was a bit of like personal vindication, if you like, because um, I've been kind of one of the defenders of Ange since he came in if you like, now I'm not sitting here pretending I knew I had a clue who he was before a couple of months ago because I don't think any of us can claim that but you know I, I read I read a bit of his book when he was appointed and watched a few documentaries and stuff like that and was just I, I wasn't interested in getting involved in the kind of negative talk that was going around him when he first joined and I, I was really enthused by like what he's philosophy was and the way he talked about football and I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do and even against Hearts although we lost I could see some kind of green shoots of like a, a the way that he was wanting to perform and kind of felt like you know a few more weeks a few more training yeah. sessions and he might just be able to 
to get this nailed down and we're certainly seeing the fruits of it now with the the game against uh, Dundee and I think as much as the the style of play was something that encouraged me the the bigger thing for me was like the attitude of the players they seemed to be like we were 6-0 up and they were pushing for another goal and you know that's the attitude that I want to see is not necessarily just that we win games comfortably but that we look like we're trying to you know blow teams away and that was what encouraged me as much as the actual style of the play as well. No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think a lot of people, as you mentioned there, um, when Ange came in the door, people were very sceptical because it was an, a, the, the relatively, uh, nobody had ever heard him, uh, let's be honest. Um, maybe a couple of fans maybe knew who he was if they've been living abroad. Um, uh, Australia obviously has a large contingent of expats um, who may well be Celtic fans who are aware of who he is. Uh, but I think by and large, most people were a bit unsure and, and a wee bit sceptical. But like yourself, Laura, I think us guys as well in this podcast, we... Um, obviously like to do as with anybody that comes into the club I think a little bit of research and I think much like yourself um, we, we remained hopeful and we certainly liked what we'd seen and heard um, and we're obviously starting to uh, that style of play and everything that he's essentially promised since he's come in is starting to bear fruit so to speak hearts a little bit of a blip on the radar but it's still very early days um, and I think that that's something if you, you look at the contrast um, between the Hearts game and the Dundee game I know they're two vastly different teams in terms of individual talent as well, but you can certainly see, as Anthony alluded to as well, that they were, were certainly going in the right direction. Uh, and again, bear in mind, it's still very early days. Um, and Ross, taking all that into consideration, and obviously, like like Laura touched on there as well, uh, it was non-stop. Uh, as Anne says in one of the earlier training videos, never stop running. Half-time, full-time is the only time you're taking a break. And we've sort of seen that against uh, Dundee. What was your thoughts on the overall performance and the fact that, as, as, as Laura says, it was it was relentless for 90 minutes. There was none of this taking the fit off the gas like we've been on today previously. It was just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, scoring as many goals as we can. Uh, I, I mean, I thought it was a, a phenomenal performance. It was it's, it's one of the best performances I've seen for a Celtic team. Uh, well, obviously in a very long time, but I just think... Me, personally, I don't think I've seen a Celtic team playing with as much energy. I mean, I know that there's still a bit to do. There's still You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself because people will say it's only Dundee and it's only one game. And it's uh, they're valid points, but sometimes it's it's the way you beat. Like, you've got to... You can only beat who's in front of you. And yeah. not as the way you beat who's in front of you. And how Celtic beat Dundee yesterday was... Nothing short of incredible. The the goals were outstanding. The energy was outstanding. They defended for the front. Kyogo set the tone for everybody. He was outstanding. Um, and they, they, the aim of the game is to score goals and at the other end, limit a team as little chances as possible. And Celtic pretty much gave Dundee no chances whatsoever yesterday. It, 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 it wouldn't have mattered what Dundee turned up yesterday. Celtic would have done that to them and pretty much almost all of the teams in the Premier League, barring maybe a select few. And some people will say, like, it's one game. Can they do that against an Aberdeen, a Hibs or a Rangers? But it's harder to do it against the team. So I don't think you can use that as a sort of comparison. But aye, that game yesterday, they were just absolutely relentless. And I loved every single thing about that performance. 
I mean, obviously, we're going to touch on, like, there's hopefully going to be uh, more signings brought in, and we do need that still. Let's not kid ourselves. It was one game, but that performance was one of the best I've seen in a long, long time. It was everything I want a Celtic team to be, and I, I was just absolutely buzzing after the game, and I've still, I, I just hope that they can carry this on now. No, absolutely, Ross, and I think that you've summed it up perfectly. Um, it is still very early days, and I think none of us uh, are saying that it's not going to be as easy as this um, against the likes of Rangers, the Hibs and Aberdeen. Um, but, as I said, it's still early days on our side, um, and for me, uh, what we've seen uh, on the game on Sunday uh, was perfect, and that's exactly the kind of football, free-flowing attacking football, high press, relentless, as Lauren, as Lauren mentioned. Just that's the kind of football that we as Celtic fans want to see going forward. And if if that's any sign of what's to come, then I'm pretty sure we, we can all agree that uh, things are certainly looking up. Uh, and there's still a long way to go, certainly. Uh, but again, we've we still got a lot of progression to do, as you says. Um, one of the the things that we we obviously in terms like I mean, it's hard to well, it's not necessarily hard to single out any individual performances because let's be honest, Kyogo was phenomenal. Uh, and we'll get to him in just a minute. But was do you have any looking at the team across the board? I know Starfield's still relatively new in, and for me, there was a couple of shaky moments uh, defensively. But he, he, he still, he, by all accounts, he, he, he's, he's definitely coming. He's becoming more and more comfortable, um, barring a couple of little things that I noticed. Um, and Ralston, um, he's been getting a lot of stick on this podcast for a number of weeks. Um, but for me, he, he he's never put a foot wrong for a number of weeks. Uh, and the guy's been, you could potentially say, he's been one of the more, more consistent and better players. Uh, Anthony, just coming to yourself, uh, Kyogo aside, because we'll, we'll touch on Kyogo, uh, etc. in just a moment, is there any sort of honourable mentions in terms of player performances or anybody that you, you just kind of, uh, that you want to point out or anybody that you've seen uh, in that game that uh, did it for you? Well, like we sort of, kind of touched on at the start there, John. It was a, a brilliant team performance. Um, every single one of them, you know, were absolutely outstanding. Um, but I think out with Kyogo, um, I think you have to give um, a special mention as well to, to Ryan Christie. I thought he was absolutely fantastic yesterday. He seems to have had a new lease of life uh, this season. I don't know if that's him just sort of buying into the sort of messages uh, that Ange Postacoglu is trying to get to him on the training ground. I just thought... And, that pass for Kyogo's third goal, I mean, world-class is the only way you can describe it. It's. I remember Scott Allen doing a, a similar pass at Ibrox, I um, can't remember if it was last season or the season before, um, and uh, which was, you know, equally very good. But it, I think it's just the way that he almost, he, he feints the passing it out wide as well with his eyes. You know, he's not even looking where he's actually passing the ball. It was, if, if that happens down south or in La Liga or whatever, or, you know, it's, on the YouTube clips for the full week, it was an absolutely sensational pass. But um, not just that, I thought he's worked great. It's almost like the Ryan Christie 2018, it really is. Um, he's been absolutely brilliant um, since Ange's taken over. I reckon if you're Dominic Mackay, if, if there's a way that you can sort of sit him down, maybe explain, try and convince him to stay, even for this year, and then you've obviously got the, the Champions League option at the end, and you know, whatever uh, might still not be enough to persuade him. But I think I'm even if, if we even got an 18-month extension to his contract, that would 
obviously, obviously sort of protect both parties because even if it meant that he wanted to leave next season, we would still get money for him. And obviously, he's had a season for his um, his stock to to rise again. As I say, it was a the complete team performance yesterday. But I think you really have to give uh, Ryan Christie and Kyogo um, a special mention. Um, there's not many players that have had a home debut um, that can match that. And it was just great seeing Christie back playing to the level that we know he's capable of. Yeah, absolutely. I think Christie definitely, uh, as you mentioned, there is a new lease of life there. He did. The contrast between the player we're seeing at the minute compared to last season, um, especially towards the tail end of last season, is night and day as well. Um, and the contract situation is certainly an interesting one. I believe he's got his contract's up in January, right? Um, if That's I'm right, not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he, he's free to talk to clubs at the minute and sign pre-contract deals at this current point in time. So, And, and we're putting in performances like that. Um, there's probably going to be clubs um, kind of flocking around him and, and speaking to uh, speaking to him and try, try, try to tie up deals. So I think it's paramount in the Celtic, as you mentioned, if you can get another 18 months or something on him and, and then if he wants to go maybe try and make a wee bit of money off him, then absolutely. But I think he definitely could be an asset for us this year. Uh, and as you mentioned, his pass to set up Kyogo's goal was fantastic. It, it, it had shades of, uh, I'm not comparing the two by any means, but uh, Ronaldinho, you remember Ronaldinho was known for his sort of no-look passes and, and feeding ball through to, to players in these Barca days. Um, and I, I just, it was a fantastic pass, as you mentioned. It should be on some sort of highlight reel. Uh, but what about yourself, Laura? As I said, Kyogo aside, because we're going to touch on Kyogo and his, his performance um, separately in just a moment, but was there any other players, uh, do you agree with the Christie sentiment? Is there anybody else that you want to sort of give a shout out to? Yeah, I, th- I think Christie was, was a pretty obvious uh one because he, he had a couple of assists and, and just looked ve- generally very dangerous down that left hand side where where I think we've struggled to to get somebody to consistently perform. You know, Elia Nussi who was on the left an awful lot last season didn't perform all that consistently and uh, but even still he was going to be hard to replace so it was encouraging to see Christy put in a performance like that and I hope to see more of it and um, the other the other player that I haven't seen getting as much praise as I would have thought he deserves is Abada on the right hand side I thought he was equally as dangerous yeah. um, obviously uh, got a couple of assists himself as well and I, I think what I like about him particularly is he looks to take on players and I don't just mean in a kind of he's he's got the pace to be one of the kind of players who just knocks it past a, a full back and runs but I don't think that that's the only thing in his tank he looks as if he's trying to bring it inside he he cut inside and yeah, took a couple yeah. of shots in his left left foot um they weren't they weren't great shots right enough but he was at least uh, uh, giving it a go um he was trying to get into the box on a couple of occasions and he's got the the ability and the the foresight to to put in the early crosses that Furuhashi was finishing from. So um, there seems to be a lot of variation there. And I think if we can hold on to Christie for some period of time, we've got Abada and then obviously you've got James Forrest there as well. That gives us plenty of options out wide and and, and danger from all three options, really. Yeah, certainly. I I, I think Abada's a great shout as well. Uh, As you mentioned, the... He, he's, he's shown he's definitely confident uh, and he's no shy he's, he's no scared to sort of go a player and as you said cut inside and even take chances himself uh, but he did set up he got a couple of assists himself and I think he had, a, he had another player that had a fantastic game uh, another guy I just want to touch on as well is and this is somebody that we on this podcast especially since the start of the, the competitive season anyway 
um, was Turnbull. Um, he's not been kind of hitting the heights or the getting into gear uh, as he was towards the end of last season. And we weren't really sure if it was maybe Andrew's style uh, that that wasn't suiting him or if, if there was just something and maybe he just hasn't found that gear yet. But for me, uh, against Dundee, I don't know whether you guys would agree, but we've certainly seen elements of the, the same player that we saw last season. He Some of his balls and his passing was, was fantastic as well. I felt, uh, and it's another guy, it's like, like we, I mean, we could go through everybody in the team, really. Uh, like he says, it was a it was a fantastic team performance. But Ross, what about, is there anyone in particular that stood out for yourself? Anybody different from any other names that have been mentioned? Um, I thought uh, Barkas was pretty special in the warm-up. <laughs> oh, that was, that, 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 did you see that? That was a disaster. That was dire, man, honestly. It's, 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 man, I couldn't actually believe what I was watching. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm just so glad that Hearts and goal now. Uh, but aye, I mean, you have touched on the, the main guys there. Uh, Christy was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I would do everything in my power, everything I possibly could to get him to uh, extend his stay at Celtic. Uh, because if he brings the, the Christy yesterday and the Christy old, then he's, he's unplayable at times and his energy is perfect for this team. Uh, and Abada uh, again, he's he's just added something that was missing last season. Uh, just width, it, we were screaming out for width last year, and uh, like a, a direct winger. Obviously, Forrest was injured for a big chunk of the season, uh, but with with no balance because we we didn't have like we had Elanusi for a wee while, but he always wanted to come inside, so it was it was too narrow at times. But uh, I, I think Abada. What I've seen him, he's not a great striker of a ball, um, but he seems to he seems to get himself in the right position at the right time, and he's he's yeah. picked up a few goals for that. He's he's ghosting in for the far side, uh, and at the back post or whatever, and he's getting his shot off. He's not catching it great, it's, and he's 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 there for the rebound or whatever. He's, he just seems to be in the right place. But uh, I, I I agree with you on Turnbull as well. I thought he his best game of the season so far. Uh, I think he, he pulled the strings in there uh, and I, I'm sure he linked up with um, Ralston for when Kyle goes goals and he played it with outside of the foot over over the kind of the top to out wide to Ralston and he played it, I'm sure he played it in for Kyle goes, can't even mind what goal it was. Uh, it was one of his three anyway, he scored that many, lost count. <laughs> but uh, I, they were the guys that sort of stood out. I thought Rogic uh, sort of shades the old a wee bit. He's still well off of that because Rogic, under, certainly under Brendan, Brendan Rodgers' tenure, was one of our best players. He was a, a fabulous player. He's obviously fell away from that, but you've seen shades of it coming back. Uh, whether he'll be first choice in that number 10 role, I don't know. I, I think it'll, it'll rotate all season. Uh, I think Christie will play in there uh, if he's going to remain at Celtic. I think he'll rotate with sort of uh, Rogic and then Christie and Forrest will maybe change over on the left-hand side and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've got a lot of good options uh, at the top half of the park. Uh, granted, I still think, given that Ayeti and Griffiths are seem well out of the picture I, st- I still think and if Edward goes I still think we might need another striker in there but uh, I, I, we're certainly loaded with options at the minute and it's, it wouldn't do any harm to have another option 
Uh, I I thought Ralston as well. Um, I thought he he's not. I don't. I think everybody will agree. I don't think that. And it's it's really unfair to say this, but I don't think he's our right back, our first choice right back. But he's, yeah. he's absolutely been outstanding for us for the start of the season. He, he gives his all every single game. He's come up through the ranks uh, around about the same time as Tierney. He's obviously not at that level, but he, he never, he, well, he's never let us down this season. You, you can't knock that, really. No, I, I mean, the, the, the Ralston point is fair because we've been saying it, as I said, he's no, I think we would agree, and I'm sure Laura and Anthony would be the same, and we've, we've spoken about it before, he's no the first choice right back I think we want going forward, but you got to give the guy credit, as we've said, he's he's come into that position um, and he's, he's, he's playing his role, he's perfectly, like I said, he's not put a foot wrong, and he's scoring goals as well, uh, and they're not just, like, shite goals, but they're decent. He's taking them well. I mean, the striker. I've seen strikers struggle to take goals as well as that. So, I mean, he deserves. He certainly deserves some credit. Um, certainly. Um, but what what I want to do now is just touch on obviously the man at the moment. Um, Kyogo Furuhashi. Um, this is his Celtic Park debut. Uh, his home debut. Uh, twenty was I believe it was twenty five thousand fans that were in. Um, and a chance to sort of cement himself uh, as as our main striker. Um, and, and and sort of like make a name for himself and right off the bat I think the first 30 minutes he could almost have his hat-trick in the first 30 um, he scored three perfect goals uh, he missed a couple of chances that he should have really been scoring because some some of the goals that he did take were harder um, but just coming to yourself first uh, Laura I'll come to you um, looking at the goals the, the way he, just let's touch on his, his whole game uh, in general his position, his movement, uh, the way he's taking these goals and his energy levels, as I said, he's not just playing, a, he's not just poaching, as, as we've seen. He's, he's running, he's backtracking, he's, he's going out wide, he's defending for that high up, for the, for the high press. As soon as the ball's in their possession, he's in a couple of times, he never let them get anywhere near or half. Uh, and I thought it was just, if you could get, it was a 10 out of 10 performance for me. Um, what was what was your take on it, Laura? Uh, his, his performance, his first game at Celtic Park, and what do you see from going forward? I think the simple way to put it is he was just he was a pure joy to watch, and that, and that's a commonly used phrase, but I mean it in the purest sense. Like he seemed to be enjoying his game. He enjoyed you know the accolades he was getting for the crowd afterwards. He just seems so purely motivated by playing football and playing well and it's such a refreshing thing to see not just for a Celtic player given what we had to endure last season but just in in a game in a, in a modern game that can be quite cynical when you talk about the sums of money involved and, and the things that are happening elsewhere with with Messi and, and all that kind of thing you can become a bit jaded about you know what football is, and to see a performance like that from him yesterday really brought the the joy back into it. Uh, yeah, and, and I thought that was great. But to to focus like a bit more on te- the technical points, I think what was fascinating about him, and I think what will improve as time goes on, was he was making runs that, to be honest, only really Abada and Ryan Christie were seeing. And I hope that other players 
get used to that. I think Turnbull could get used to that and has the ability to to play the right passes to him. I think McGregor will will catch on to it pretty quickly and hopefully James Forrest when he's in the team as well. He just always looked as if he was on the shoulder of the defender, looking looking for that wee run, looking for that wee pass, um, and 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 was making runs that I've not seen a Celtic striker make for a long time. You know, my uh, colleague on on Axom Tony. Haggerty sort of was making comparisons to Larson, and although it's very early days, and, and and you know you have to you have to consistently provide for seven years and score the number of goals that Henry Larson scored before you can be compared, I could see what he meant in the early the early comparisons. It was the yeah, yeah. it was the, the style of movement and the running that was there. There was even a point where uh, it it was filled uh, sort of deep in in Dundee's half. Uh, and the camera was on him, and he ran. He, the only reason you saw it was because he got up and ran as if he was expecting a quick free kick, and for the ball to go through, and it get it get chopped off because uh, the the referee wanted the the free kick taken a bit uh, less quickly. But it just was a sign of his attitude and his get up and go. And if he can put that kind of attitude into every game and that kind of enthusiasm and joy and hard work, then. Then I don't think it's going to be the last hat trick we see from him. Never mind the last goal. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and I think the you mentioned that you, you can see the similarities. The last thing you mentioned, obviously Tony's comparison. Uh, but I, I think that that's agreeable. Um, we're not obviously you're we're, you're not comparing the two because, like he says, he, he needs to put seven years uh, graft into the the shirt and and score the same sort of the volume of goals as Larson did. And I think that no many players are going to be doing that. Um, but as you mentioned, his movement, his positioning, uh, and how eager he is, and things like that—that's something we've not seen since Larson. At least I would say, um, and it is an absolute joy to see. Uh, and he, he genuinely looks happy playing the football. He is as well. Would just quickly, Laura, um, given obviously the, the sort of lacklustre striking performances we've seen last season, and that Edward, by comparison, at least what we've seen on Sunday, is. He, he do, he's nowhere near that sort of those levels of energy or he doesn't seem to be putting that much effort in. Uh, do you think Kyogo is the answer going forward? Do you think that's the striker crisis that we had um, has been averted or do you still think that it's an area that, um, as Ross mentioned, a Jetty and a Griffiths, could they, they still play a part or do you think it's still something he needs assistance? Well, I think I think the very least you can say is that that Kyogo's done enough to to cement his place as the the first, not only the first striker on the team sheet, but one of the first names in the team sheet. So from that point of view, he has solved an issue for us. But uh, in terms of you know what happens if he picks up a knock or uh, if he's unavailable for a match for whatever reason, you know the the drop off between him and the other strikers that we've got in terms of quality and work rate is. It's not even comparable. So, um, if we can, I would still want to shift on uh, a jetty, a jetty, or Griffiths, or both, and and try and get somebody else in. Um, because I think until we can get somebody who is of the quality and of the work rate that he is at, then then the problem isn't solved because you're only one one suspension or one injury or whatever away yeah. from from being in real trouble. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think one of the things that now we face as a, a club looking for players going forward uh, is Kyogo has set a very high bar. And mm. this is, 
you're going to need to be pointing at them now and then saying, this is the kind of work rate we need. This is the kind of level of energy we need. And if you're no get, if you, it's going to be very difficult to find players who can sort of match that. Uh, as, and I completely agree with you, Laura. I don't think there's anybody in that team, Griffiths, uh, yeah, or even Edward, who, who very likely is probably going to be leaving. But uh, is that sort of ilk? And uh, I don't think that they, they, they can fill that void if, if you say, as you say, if Kyogo gets picks up an injury of any sort, uh, then we're back to square one. So I think it is definitely an area where we need to sort of look at as well. Anthony, just comment to yourself. What what was your overall thoughts on Kyogo's performance, the goals, his attitude, his movement, everything else? And do you think that he's the answer? And what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Just before, when we were coming on uh, tonight, John, I was trying to sort of rack my brains and remember, you know, think of all the, the great home debuts that, you know, some of the, the heroes of the past have had. And, you know, you think of sort of George Cadet breaking the sound barrier on Radio Clyde uh, coming on against Aberdeen or Jan Venegoda Hesselink turning the game against Hibs uh, when it was his debut. Or, of course, you, you think of, you know, uh, Nakamura as well had a fantastic debut against Dundee United at home. And uh, also, uh, who else was I going to say there? Uh, Lubo as well. Yeah. He was, you know, he had a, he had a fantastic uh start as well, especially given all the negative press that the so-called experts had uh, printed in the Saturday morning papers. Um, I think he really made them eat their, their words. But I'm genuinely was racking my brains all day to think of one that, that that matched that. And I just think, like Laura's touched on, his work rate, his, just his anticipation and where he wanted the ball to go, he just... He, he just never stopped the, the the full time that he was on the pitch, and like you say, the goal threats. You know, he's he's going to score an absolute barrel load up here, and um, provided he keeps getting that service from uh, from our wide men, um, it was an absolutely terrific performance. Um, yeah, I, I, I do still think, though, however, that we we will have to. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, you, you assume that Edward's going to be going at some point, maybe in the next week or so. Um, it might happen sooner rather than later. So with that. You know, significant money that we'll no doubt get for him. I know PSG are entitled to quite a, a fair chunk of that, but we have to reinvest that in the forward line as well because you can't just rely on one player. Um, although Ayeti was made captain by Ange for his first game, which I actually thought I agreed with Ross um, back a few weeks ago when we were recording, I thought that was a, um, a good bit of man management. He hasn't really featured much since, uh, which suggests that he's maybe not as uh, in the manager's immediate plans as we maybe first thought. And, you know, when the camera panned in on, on Lee Griffiths uh, yesterday sitting on the bench, you know, I, I turned and said to my dad, Penny for that man's thoughts, you know, he just, um, he seems to be sort of completely out of the picture um, at the moment. And uh, did he not have his head buried in the phone and his phone or not? Like there was a uh, yeah, I, so, <laughs> yeah, 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 I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna bring that up, but I yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he was on his phone and I think um I think we should just leave that there <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, I, I do think with the, the with the money that we get um that from the Edward sale, I do think you have to reinvest that possibly yeah. in one Two strikers. The, the the Nisbet chat from Hibs doesn't seem to be dying down. Um, and I've, I've said before he is, but uh, you see the way he, he plays, he may, would perhaps say uh, somebody that could complement uh, Kyogo up front. And then uh, the, the thing is, he seems to be intent on playing almost like a, a sort of four three three formation, which takes out your per, perhaps. If normally we're used to playing with uh, one or two, um, and obviously when it was a traditional 
you know, two, it would maybe be a big target man. Plus, you know, you talk about Henrik there. It used to be obviously Henrik would be alongside either Sutton or, or Hartson to take all the all the blows and uh, all the knocks, and he could uh, you know do his stuff uh, when the ball came on the ground. Um, but if you're playing with three strikers and and not they don't necessarily have to be out and out strikers. They can you know be wide men that can cut inside or whatever. It maybe means that you don't necessarily need the you know inverted commas traditional striker. Um, to bring in, but obviously, we we do still there is still a few positions we need to strengthen, and definitely, um, I don't think you're going to get all that done in one window, but definitely, I think going forward, um, possibly and hopefully before the window closes, I do think we need to bring in at least one more um, up front uh, to give us you know so sort of more options going forward. Yeah, no, definitely. And what what about yourself, uh, Ross? Uh, ju- just on the Kyogo performance. Just the same question, mate. Just that Kyogo's perf- overall um, performance, his goals, and what do you think about him? Is is you sort of, is is he the main striker going forward? Is he the the guy to solve that striker crisis? And does he still need backup? Well, uh, he certainly looks like the the striker that's that's going to solve that problem. Um, again, like the guys have touched on, I think we probably do need another striker just. Purely down to the fact, like they've said about if he get injured or that, then where do, who do we look to? Uh, there's nobody in the squad that has sort of level and work rate. Um, but uh, aye, at the moment, he, he, he looks the main man. And it's uh, what a difference it makes to your team when you've got a central striker that wants to be here and wants to work hard and wants to play for the team and score goals and do his bit. Uh, Unlike what Edward's been like, it just it just brings a, a whole new dimension to the team. Uh, but as regards his performance, it was well. I was going to say myself that it, it reminded me of uh, Lubo's home debut against Rangers, uh, a, a sort of unknown entity uh, that's came in and blew blown everybody away. Really, uh, I thought he like he, he just never stopped the whole game and. Like we we all talk about uh, Christie's pass, uh, which was like Anthony said, it was world class. It's the only way to describe it. But I thought Kyogo's run for the other one that Christie set up. I can't mind if it was the first or second goal, but he, he sort of like as if he's going to go into the near post and then he checks and then just makes a dart right in behind the defender and it just gives Christie the opportunity to play the ball right across. It was just uh, uh, like. Right away, I noticed it. I was like, wow, I've not seen a Celtic player or a Celtic striker making a run like that in a long, long time, probably since. And I know I've sort of tried to compare a Yeti to Gary Hooper. Uh, I'm not comparing Kyogre to Gary Hooper, but certainly that that sort of movement reminded me of Gary Hooper. Uh, it was just, I loved seeing it. It was it was absolutely brilliant. And I, you, you, you can't fault him. He was a 10 out of 10 yesterday. Uh, and what 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 he done on Thursday night as well eh, was sort of just like building up to what he put out on the park eh, yesterday. It was just it was a perfect perfect performance by him. Yeah, definitely. And have you any thoughts on the like the strike? Do you think that he's the answer? Is he, is he the new number one going forward? Does he need backup? What, what that's what I was sort of saying there. I, I think at the moment he's he's the number one striker. He's one of the first names in the team sheet after yesterday's game. Uh, 
and because I think we're going forward, we're going to play by a, a, a sort of front three. I think he, at the moment, he has to be the central striker, uh, depending on if we bring somebody else in. He could also be de- deployed off the left. It gives us another option, uh, certainly if, like, over the course of the season, the games take its toll. You might get injuries, you might get suspensions. He could be put out wide. If, if we get another, if we hold on to Edward even, but if we get another striker, uh, out with that, he can be deployed out there and we can bring this other striker into the middle. I think possibly he's not got the same work rate, but I think that in a, a, a central striker in a front three, uh, whether it be Abada, Kyle going the left, Forrest in the left, Christie in the left, I think a Yeti could, could have a part to play. Uh, he's no by any stretch going to be the first choice striker, but I think as a front three, uh, him being the central striker, I think he would still get you goals, uh, and certainly domestically. I think he could possibly be deployed more in Europe as well, away from home, because if he turns in a performance like what he, I'm sure it was against Lille, uh, it was last season, he was outstanding in that game. Yeah. Uh, and I think he could, because, I mean, as good as Kyogo is, you're probably going to be a bit more reserved against a better sort of opposition in Europe so you would need a stronger central striker so whether if Edward stays you could use him as that that sort of striker or you could use a Yeti and you could still have Kyogo in the park coming in off the left uh, so th- there's options there but it depends depends who we keep who goes sort of thing uh, yeah. but I, would, I certainly would like to see another body brought in uh, up top because Personally, I've been a sort of defender of Griffiths, but I think he's well out of the picture now. And I think with the reaction for a section of the fans, I just think it's a negativity between the fans and the pitch that we don't need. And I think that's how he's he's no... It's a big reason why he's no featured in the last few games. I, I think Griffiths' time could be up at Celtic. Uh, he's, he's done brilliant for Celtic. He really has uh, down the years, but the last wee while, it's evident that he, he really hasn't. He? He's not been in the right headspace or whatever to be playing a, a, a club of Celtic stature. Uh, I, I think he could be moved on and that would open up a space for to bring somebody else in. Uh, who, that, who that'll be remains to be seen, but uh, I, I would like to see another body in there, but I still think we've got enough at the minute uh, for going forward uh, with Kyogo being able to play two positions as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you've made some really valid points there as well. Especially with Kyogo uh, also playing at the left. I think that's something I, I certainly forgot. Uh, I think because he was touted as a sort of left-sided player as well before he even came in. So, uh, I mean, like you said, if you can find another player that can complement them, and, and like you said, if, if Andrew's going to be playing that, then you're likely to see quite heavy rotation. Um, through that area, so I mean, it's certainly something uh, I think we're, we we may well see going forward. Um, but just touching on uh, obviously players staying and players leaving. Uh, in addition to Kyogo, uh, two other new boys recently just came in. Um, Joe Hart, who's seemed to have cemented these places, first choice keeper, thankfully, and um, McCarthy. Um, and I'm hoping Anthony gives us a wee impression because <laughs> his did you, his press conference was. 
I know that people are kind of had a wee laugh about it and say that sort of the like they reminded me of Brendan Rogers the the actions he's he's very soft spoken and and things like that. It made me laugh. But um, how how do you feel? Just quickly, uh, guys, uh, Anthony, I'll just come to you first. Um, Joe Hart is is the number one keeper going forward. Are you happy with that? And McCarthy, do you think he's got a role to play? Uh, absolutely, John. I mean, uh, listen, uh, you know I've got a keen knack for impressions, but I'm going to have to do a wee bit more studying before I can nail down James McCarthy's man, because I don't know what, <laughs> what what planet that accents for. I really don't, mate. I'm going to need to uh, I'm going to need to work on that before Saturday night, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think obviously, listen, you, you, McCarthy, you know, he came through uh, the ranks at Hamilton Aki's, who are renowned for having a brilliant uh, academy. And giving youth a chance, him and James MacArthur, you know, sort of came through the same time. He's went down south, he's won the FA Cup, he's made over 300 appearances for Everton. And there really was a point when he was sort of being touted as going on to, um, that's no disrespect to Everton, I know they're a massive club, but one of the the sort of maybe top six, as it were, and an injury sort of of stopped that from happening, unfortunately. but maybe in a but his his name's been touted at coming to Celtic as he alluded to in that you know colourful interview um, a few times that, that, that there's always been the the talk there of him coming and it's finally happened. Looking at that performance yesterday, of course he's going to have to work very hard to get into that team. But I've yeah. no doubt he'll play a part over the course of the season. And uh, as for between the sticks, well, you know I was on last week and I, me and even Francis, who's been a big defender of Barkas. We were essentially sending out an SOS for a goalkeeper. You know, I was I was on the on the verge of tears. Just get us a, a new goalkeeper in, and uh, the news broke just as we finished recording that um, Joe Hart was going to sign the next day. And as John Hartson alluded to on Celtic TV yesterday, one of the big things that I'm very impressed with about it about the deal is it's not a sort of a one season loan deal to get yourself back match fit to then go down to you know a sort of middle of the yep. road team down in the Premiership again. He's he's committed his future for the next three years. Potentially, you know, th- th- those years can be the peak years for a goalkeeper. And um, I, I know he's not had his, his troubles to seek the last couple of years. He's, his star's faded a little bit. But if you've won over, uh, earned over 75 caps uh, for the England national team, if you've been Manchester City's number one throughout the, the years when they were sort of coming to the fore, and obviously he was the, the man between the sticks and their 2012 um, League One and 2014, I, I believe, um, obviously made um, cup finals as well. You know, he's, he's maybe not an Ederson or a, a Van der Sar or, or, or anyone else, but to be fair, I don't actually think down south's blessed with that many elite goalkeepers either, to be fair. So I think we've got a real coup here. Obviously, he was a little bit rusty on Thursday night, um, but yesterday I felt, you know, he had very little to do, but he's as he alluded to in his pre-match interview, that's something that he's perhaps used to a, a little bit at Manchester City, um, which means he's got to be switched on when he is called upon. And, you know, the one save he had to make yesterday took no chance. He's round the post, but you could hear him communicating to his back uh, two centre-halves the full game and again on Thursday night, which they're only going to... That's building a relationship, um, building trust between you your defenders and your goalkeeper. It's so important yeah. um, at this level. Um, I'm absolutely delighted he's between the posts. He, he, he looks like a goalkeeper. And, you know, as we've seen yesterday, he's kept a clean sheet, which is something that's been very rare for the last, uh, for quite some time now. So delighted to have them both in and I'm sure they'll be, they'll play a major part in what we hope will be a very successful season. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the, the things that we need to take into account with Hart as well is I th- there's been a couple of different figures going about, but the guy, he's came to Celtic, he's aware of the size of the club, right? Uh, but like you say, he signed, what was that, a, a four year, three, four year deal? A three um, year deal for Hart and four for McCarthy, I think, yeah. Four, is that what it is? I think that's what it is. I might be wrong, it might be the other way around, but the two of them have definitely signed long term contracts. Yeah, and I mean, like he says, in either case, it is long term. Uh, but he's also he, he's come up here for footballing reasons. This isn't a financial thing. He's obviously made his money, uh, and that that he's, he, that doesn't that seems to be at the back of his mind because he must have took a significant cut in his wages. Because I, I read, uh, despite the fact he was third choice at Tottenham, he was still sitting around fifty two grand a week. Um, and as we know, he's on fifteen uh, now. Um, and he's come up here. He, he he said, and you read or you listen to his interviews rather, um, and he says that he wants to do his best. He's, he's here for the long haul. He, he just wants to play football. He loves the game, um, and I think that's quite refreshing to see as well. Um, and that, like I said, if he can find any sort of form that he had previously when he was at Man City and 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 he was in the England setup, um, then we we we're certainly going to benefit from him. But and as you said that, um. And I'll come to you just in a minute, Laura, because I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. But that commanding of the back line and the defence, as you touched on, Anthony, that's something that we looked like we've missed. Bain didn't seem to do that for me. Barkas was more or less mute. Um, if I recall, I'd have very rarely seen him mention or utter a word to any of his defenders. But Hart seems to be certainly much more vocal. And despite the fact he didn't have much to do, he was still trying to command his back line, still trying to keep them right. Uh, and even at the end of the game, um, when like Callum was trying to bring them in for another wee huddle, um, which I thought was great. Um, Hart was sort of ushering them in as well, um, and sort of like making sure that they were part of it and that, that people weren't getting away for that. Laura, what what's your thoughts? Just, you don't need to get into too much detail, but um, where, where are you sitting on the Hart situation uh, in terms of your goalkeepers and and obviously what's McCarthy's position going forward? Um. <laughs> The the heart thing is kind of conflicting me because I think initially and probably most importantly I do think he's a better goalkeeper than anything that we had so from that point of view he's a straight upgrade and and and, and nothing to complain about there. Uh, the couple of concerns that I did have about him when when I heard he was signing was obviously um, as a few people have alluded to you know Angie's wanting this ball playing goalkeeper who who sits quite high up and and is involved in the play. And uh, anybody who's a follower of Pep Guardiola, as I am, um, will know that that was one of the main reasons that he was he was given his marching orders at Man City because it was felt that um, that he didn't have that skill in the locker. But it was interesting. I listened to his answer to um, Natasha, who I know you've had on the the podcast before. She she was at the the fan conference uh, speaking to him and asked him about that specifically. And he gave a really interesting answer, said that he um, he didn't really understand what he was being asked to do by Pep when that was, was originally asked of them. He didn't think it was the job of a goalkeeper. Um, but I think in the years since, he's gone away and learned and he's he's appreciated that, you know, it's a, an ever-evolving game and he has improved his skill there. Um, so I'm hoping that that comes to fruition. Um, the, other, the other concern that I did have was that I used to, a blog for a, an Italian football site a few years ago and, and one of the years that I was quite heavily involved in looking at Italian football was the year that he was on loan at Torino and he had some pretty high profile mistakes at, at Torino you know they thought it was a, a 
a coup that they'd managed to get him from Man City and um, and at the time I suppose it was but he made a few high profile mistakes I think that was probably more down to you know the shock of you know he'd gone from being the number one at Man City the England goalkeeper all that stuff to all of a sudden playing for Torino in Serie A and his, his life had been turned upside down so I don't really blame him too much for that but that was in the back of my mind I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him so far. I think I agree with what you are saying about him commanding the, the area. And I think at the very least that and his shot-stopping ability making making an upgrade and I'm willing to to go with that. And and as always, yeah. he's, a Celt- he's a Celtic player, so I'll back him. Um, as far as McCarthy's concerned, I think the positives that he brings are, are the experience that Anthony talked about um, and the fact that you know you don't need to tell him what it means to be a Celtic player. I'm a bit concerned about his injury history and the fact that he's already 30 and, and things like that. But, you know, he, he seemed to allude to the fact that that was something that was just, you know, a pretty severe leg break at one point in his career and that hopefully he's he's, he's kind of over that now. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But he certainly adds quality to the midfield and he's certainly another option that is of the kind of standard of player that you would want, I think. So for both players, I think, while not, absolutely top tier are certainly upgrades and that's that's all you can ask for at this point I think yeah absolutely and I think those are good points as well and obviously like you said if you you, you obviously are fan, as you mentioned there that you're a fan of Pep and, and has initially Joe Hart being dropped because he didn't fit into that style uh, I can see why that would certainly be a concern but if it's something that he can obviously adapt and learn um, then um, I, I don't see any issue but for me Ultimately, as a goalkeeper, um, his job is to keep the ball out of the back of the net, and as long as he can do that, then I'm happy. Um, what about yourself, Ross, um, in regards to the Hart McCarthy signings, and how are you how are you with him so far? Um, well, like like Laura, uh, with both signings, uh, I met it with a level of scepticism. Um, I was unsure because of the amount of football that Hart had played and. I was aware of his high-profile mistakes in recent seasons, but uh, she made a very valid point as to that how his life was turned upside down. You, sometimes you don't take things like that into account. I never gave that a thought really at the time, or in, at, right up until Laura's just said that there the now. Um, but I mean, in in the days that have came since he signed on, uh, certainly we. Not so much his performances, because he's not had a great deal to do in the two games. Uh, obviously, he conceded two goals in the European tie, but uh, I don't think there was a lot, a lot he could have done about them. Um, but in, in the days since he signed, I've sort of come round a bit, uh, and I like, like the fact that although he's a goalkeeper, he's a leader. He's still a leader on the park, uh, and like uh, when he's touched on there, how how he was ushering everybody over to Carl McGregor. I think him and Carl McGregor have had a conversation and like McGregor will sort of lean on him for advice. Uh, I know McGregor's been at Celtic a lot longer, but uh, just for more leadership qualities and stuff. and he'll, Experience. He'll, uh, yeah. uh, he'll help him out uh, in that sort of captaincy role. I, I think he, he brings a lot to the squad and he's a, absolutely an upgrade uh, for what we've got. Uh, and at this moment in time, I'm very happy that he's our goalie. Uh, as regards McCarthy, again, injuries and stuff. Hasn't he played a lot of football? I was sceptical again, but uh, 
I mean, time will tell on that. He's, he's certainly, again, he, he brings experience. That's that's the, the main thing that the two of them bring, and it's something that the squad has been lacking. Uh, and uh, we've got a, we've got a few good young players, and we have got some likes of Forrest uh, and McGregor. He you could say he's an experienced head now, but you still need more experience. And I think that in McCarthy and Hart, that that certainly comes into the squad, uh, and it's it's something that you really really need. Um, whether he's got, I was looking, I, I want a, a sort of, I wanted a sort of. Like a, a midfielder with a bit of physicality, a bit of dig. Uh, whether he brings that, he, he certainly, he certainly got a bit more dig than, like, say, McGregor or Turnbull. Uh, but I, I'm looking for somebody. Time will tell. But I'm looking for something like that. Certainly, he play against Rangers because they they've got a lot of physicality in the middle of the park, and I think we were found wanting against them at times due to that. Uh, but. I time will tell on McCarthy, uh, but it's certainly not one that um, I was adverse to, but still sceptical about until I see him actually turn in a few performances. Yeah, no, all fair and bad points. I, I, I mean, it's <laughs> I don't think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would disagree with that. Um, I know people have had their scepticisms about Hart. Some saying he's over the hill and he's past it. I think I touched on it as well the other week. Um, that we, we thought the same with Gordon when he came in, but look how that turned out for us. And, and like I said, if, if the likes of Hart can find any sort of form going forward, then uh, it's only going to benefit us. And like he says, it still remains to be seen what Carthy will bring. Um, it, it looks like he's some way off sort of the fitness aspect and, and, and he's going to take some time to sort of bed in, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But one of the other things that, that obviously we've touched on, and Ange is still saying in media and press conferences, and he's made, he, he's not been quiet about it. He's making sure that fans know he's being honest. Uh, and he's holding the board to account here. Um, is the, 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 he still wants more people brought in. There's still signings to come. He's still confident that there's another few signings to come through the doors in the next week or so. Uh, Hart's not even touched on it. I don't know what his relationship uh, or with Celtic is in, in that sense, but he mentioned uh, as well, uh, and he may know he may know that some more ins and outs and what the the media do. But he mentioned uh, that there's still four or five guys to to come in. Um, obviously, we know there's certain positions, uh, right back, um, the sort of left wing, left back potentially, um, another striker, um, where you want to sort of add first team quality uh, and depth throughout the squad as well. Uh, we've been linked with about four, five, six different right backs. In recent weeks, uh, nothing seems to really be going any further forward in that respect. Do you, you guys heard anything more, or what, what's where, where do you stand in this, Anthony? What in terms of signings? Have you heard anything? Is anybody you want to see coming in? Well, the now the the boys, the right back that we were sort of has been doing the rounds of it. His name uh, escapes me now. Um, that seemed like it was sort of going to be coming to the fore a little bit, but it sort of died off the last few days. But you know what it's like. The, the rumor mill keeps going round every, yeah. every, every now and again uh, at Celtic. It's it's just constant. Um, I'm sure. Listen, as Ange Postecoglou says, he's that we need um, more options in in quite a few positions. Um, so I would imagine again, like we keep saying, within the next couple of weeks, the squad um, and the team might look different again. Um, but it's it's positive which is what we like to hear. He's, um, like you say, he's been truthful, he's been honest, or I certainly believe so. I believe it when he's talking. 
And the other um, big thing as well, which I like the sound of, is the fact that he confirmed that um, he is looking to bring in a couple of, um, of his own staff as well, which I think is absolutely brilliant because I think if any manager, doesn't matter where they come from in the world or whatever um, level they manage it, if you're the, the guy at the top of the table making the decisions, picking the team, you want a couple of people around you that you can absolutely trust. And um, so, yeah, if we can get some a few more people in that he's um, more comfortable working with, a few more reinforcements on the park. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure there will be more comings and goings in the next few weeks, but it's um, all good at the moment. Yeah, I think the right back you you refer to was uh, the boy, the Portuguese boy, Buta. Buta. I don't know. That's the one. Name, that's the I, one joint. Good job. Um, yep. Yep. But, but like you mentioned, mate, it seems to that chat seems to have died off. It was the same way, uh, Brandon Soppy. Um, that seemed to have died off. Then we were linked with the other guy who was who was at Ren. I think he, he then he signed with Galatasaray. He's ended up scoring against St Johnson as well. Um, so there's a lot of names as you mentioned. The rumour mills just churning names out left, right, and centre. Um, and it's hard to sort of sort of pick something or, or see if there's any sort of truth for that in it. But like I say, Angie's touched on it. Uh, Laura, he's why to bring in mere guys. Hartson mentioned that there's another four or five guys again. I don't know what his uh, relationships like with people within Celtic, but he may know something. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? And do, do you see any guys coming in this week or the, the following week? Um, I certainly hope, from the point of view of the right back, that we get somebody in because you know, with every other position on the pitch, and I include the uh, left back in that, as much as people don't want to admit it, that you know, balling goalie is there to be a backup to Greg Taylor if it's absolutely necessary. Um, and we do have backups in, in pretty much every other position, even if they're not the ideal ones that we would want. Right back's the only one that we really don't have any other option other than Anthony and Alston. As, and as we saw with the, the tackle that went in against him uh, from, from Dundee, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Sean Byrne or, or um, Jordan Marshall, those two were kind of flying into every tackle at the weekend so it was one of those two that, that tackled him and kind of you're one bad tackle away from losing your right back you know as we saw with Julian last season it doesn't even have to be another player that causes it it can be a collision with a post or a caught stud in the in the park and so I think a right back's vital um, but I've not heard anybody apart from Buta be mentioned as far as that's concerned the, the two kind of random names I've seen I can't remember the name of the young guy for the life of me but there's a Japanese centre back that plays for Man City uh, who was suggested as a potential loan signing which wouldn't surprise me given the Itakura is that, is that I think that's the name yeah um, so given the, the links we have and Ange has with City Group that wouldn't surprise me if that, that went ahead and and the other one that kind of came out the blue the other day that I saw was the Monaco striker, uh, Jean-Kevin Augustine. Again, I don't know very much about him, but, you know, it's like you say, there's there's names being chucked out left, right and centre. Certainly we need more bodies in, but as far as, like, the quality of the people that are being mentioned, uh, you're kind of as in the dark as we were about Furuhashi before he came through the door. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I say, that's what kind of worries me. Uh, know that there isn't any sort of concrete evidence that there's, other than, I mean, I firmly believe what Andy's is saying, there's guys coming in and that they're working hard. I, I believe that that's the case. I'm just hoping that, they, that it happens sooner rather than later because it's already dragged out now a number of weeks. Um, but it's it's whether or not any of these names being linked to us uh, are actually concrete and if, if there's any sort of weight in those. Uh, what about yourself, Ross? 
do you take any stock in the names being thrown about or um I, i'm a bit like willie on the podcast i i don't i don't really read a lot of the rumors i i, I just hear a lot of the stuff on our group uh, about this guy's linked that guy's linked uh, I, I just like wait wait and see when they're, they're holding the scarf above their head and they've signed on uh, and I'm, I'm putting my, my full trust in uh, Ange getting the right guys in that he wants um, I think he's he's probably identified a lot of players and they're working hard behind the scenes I've been saying this for a number of weeks now that I believe that the Celtic squad or I believed that the Celtic squad was going to look a hell of a lot different on paper than what it did when Ange came in and it's it's coming to fruition Uh, and I think when he says yesterday that there's an R couple of bodies coming in this week then I I believe that there's an R couple of bodies coming in this week and I think uh, before the end of the window I think it might be that there'll be two, three, maybe even four new faces Uh, what positions I don't know but I, I trust it He's going to get the the guys in that he wants, uh, and the board are going to do that to the best of their ability. Uh, I, I just I just think that the the players that he's brought in. I know the only, the only one you could really say is like that. That's his guy is Kyogo, but I think he's getting the final say on like say the the boards maybe went to him and said what about Hart. He he's the guy that's given it the green light, in my opinion, whether he wants it or no. He, he obviously knows about Hart. He's a world famous player, so it's it's not like yeah. he's he's unknown to him. Uh, McCarthy as well. He, he, like Angel, have watched the Premier League and stuff like that, so he'll be well aware of these guys. Uh, so I, I if he says there's two bodies coming in this week, then I, I believe him, and I, I'm I'm very excited about. Uh, the, the moves that him and the board and Mackay are making and everything seems positive and I know it, it's very positive off the back of the Dundee game but I've been feeling like this as regards signings and uh, the, the, the wheels are in motion of this process I've been saying it for yeah. a, a number of weeks now that I just believe that the process is in motion and I, 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 a lot of people are saying it's dragging out. The stuff that happened in the summer is dragging out. I don't think the signing of these uh, or the guys that he wants to bring in, I don't think they're dragging out. I just think it's taking... So try to think is the best way to put it. Uh, they're, they're just... They're not taking their time, but it's, it's not just like football manager if you like whether you just go go into the computer and you just sign these guys it, it, it takes time and obviously in the climate the way things are with COVID and stuff I, I just think it, it's no dragging out but the players that he wants will be in before the window closes yeah. uh, within reason obviously it, it'll probably add to the squad again some people might leave in January but I think by the time the window closes he'll be very happy with how the board have backed them. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely right, Ross. And I think you, you have been sort of an element of positivity on this podcast in, in recent weeks, uh, which is quite nice because I know that there, that there's been a lot of issues where we've had sort of disagreements and things like that. So it's obviously good to hear. So fingers crossed, obviously, that that is the case uh, and that we are bringing in these new guys and sort of getting ourselves set up for the season ahead. But as I said, and as we touched on at the start of the show, um, 
the way the football is being played at the minute, and I'm sure we can all agree, uh, things are certainly looking a lot brighter, uh, and, and it's certainly uh, something to be excited about. Um, but just coming into the last thing then, um, just before we wrap everything up, we've got a Europa League, uh, Europa League, <laughs> Europa League second leg tie uh, against Jablonek. We're obviously welcoming them here. Full capacity, Celtic Park, um, and uh, off the back of a 4-2 uh, first leg victory. Um, we didn't get a chance to touch on it originally, um, but just off the back of the 4-2, uh, obviously a good result. Two goals, ultimately, for me, uh, that Joe Hart couldn't really do anything about, but it still showed you the sort of defensive errors and defensive issues that we have. Uh, and that's something that we obviously need to stamp out, especially when you come up against um, better quality teams, which uh, it looks to be AZ Alkmaar. Uh, if we get through this tie, uh, is the next sort of opposition we need to face in order to qualify for the Europa Group. So uh, it, it's certainly going to be a much tougher test, uh, and you're hoping, obviously, defensive freeways uh, are sort of ironed out. But just again, uh, obviously, away goals aren't the, the four goals that we scored away uh, count for nothing here, um, but I'm sure. Uh, we'll all agree coming into this second leg um, that we've got enough about us, especially after the confidence and everything else after Sunday's performance. We'll, we'll, we'll be, there'll be enough about us to, to put them away. Um, just coming to yourself first, Anthony, quickly. Uh, off the, the result after the first leg and then coming into a full-packed, welcoming Jablonek to a full-packed Celtic Park for the second leg. What's your thoughts? What do you think the, the sort of predicted score will be come Thursday? Uh, I I think it will be a pretty positive score in our favour, John. I can see us going out there, especially um, given the advantage that we have. You know, with the greatest of respect to to Jab Blinick, they're they're not a very good team. It's just really there's no other way to describe it. Um, and I think at Celtic Park, we can just go and be professional, get the tie wrapped up um, pretty quickly, and we can sort of focus on uh, the weekend ahead and in the next leg, hopefully against them, AZ Alkma. Um, but yeah, the most important thing, I think, on Thursday night, it's just going to be an amazing sight seeing Celtic Park back full capacity, or almost full capacity again. I know the obviously the UEFA delegates have, have taken up a fair chunk in the, the main stand, but it's going to be an amazing noise, an amazing sight. Um, and it's uh, I know we're recording this on Monday night, so it's the first day without any restrictions um, or where most of the restrictions have been lifted, which is, um, you know, the, the at the moment, uh, the virus seems to be under a decent level of control and that's all thanks to the amazing vaccination program uh, that's been undertaken by the NHS so I think um, yeah everyone that's going if you've not got your second vaccine yet get yourself along to the nearest centre and um, yeah we could just keep moving forward in our road to recovery um, both as a society and as a football club um, and yeah you're hoping for a full house and a good result on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely. What about yourself, Laura? Um, just uh, off the back of the first result, obviously, 4-2 away victory. We know that the away goal doesn't count, so the four goals essentially mean uh, nothing, but it's still a two-goal cushion uh, bringing them uh, to Celtic Park, and as we've touched on, it's going to be for the first time in a long time and a much welcome um, sort of full house, so to speak. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on the result to come in, and where, where do you think we'll be? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to get tickets for the game. I don't have a season ticket currently, but um, I'm hoping to get a couple of season uh, a couple of tickets for the match when they go on general sale if there's enough left. So hopefully I'll be there in the in the packed Celtic Park to 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 welcome or or to to cheer the boys onto the pitch. Um, 
to be honest, what I would like to see, I, I, don't get me wrong, I want to see us as free scoring as we were against Dundee, and it would be, I'd be delighted if Furuhashi continued his run and got a couple more goals and uh, and maybe um, have have some others add to that. But I think what's important as well for us um, is that's another couple of weeks under their belt for the defence to have got to know each other and Joe Hart to get in goal and, and settle himself um you know, flying out to Czech Republic and straight into goal for him must have been a difficult one on Thursday. So um, I'm not sure that his performance in conceding two goals was necessarily a true ref- reflection of how good he can be. So I- I'd be really encouraged if we could keep another clean sheet uh, on Thursday night and uh, just see more signs that the defence are getting more comfortable with each other. And that's definitely something I'll be looking out for. But But as Anthony said, like... Just uh, after after the 18 months that we've all had, two years that we've all had, the the idea that there's going to be a full Celtic Park on Thursday uh, and a bit of normality is coming back into the world uh, is, is just a fantastic thing. Definitely, and I think everybody's going to be uh, super excited for that. Um, what about yourself, Ross? What, what, what do you think, uh, how, how do you see Thursday going for us? Uh, I just, uh, another positive performance, uh, I, I think... As Anthony alluded, I don't. They're not a very good team. Uh, we we conceded to poor against them in the first leg, so I, I would like to see us come out the traps quick and try and blast them out early. Maybe get into a good loop, like take some of the uh, our, our big players off, uh, just to give them a bit of a rest going into the weekend's game. Uh, but uh, if we can get get them put away early. Uh, I'd like another high-scoring game, maybe something like a 5 now or something like that. I'm not asking for much. <laughs> <laughs> I, fancy, I fancy that we've got plenty about us. I don't think they are... Well, I, I would probably say they're a, a bit of a better team than Dundee, but if Celtic play anywhere near the level they played on Sunday, then they won't be able to live with them and it'll be a high-scoring game, I think. Uh yeah, I think we're all hoping that it's going to be the same. Um, for me personally, I think it. I think we've got. I don't think Jalen are going to be able to handle uh, the noise. Uh, and, and like I said, if we can sort of keep up the same sort of performance we did against Dundee, I think they're going to get a better fright. Uh, so it could be quite a high-scoring game, uh, or at least I'm hoping so. Uh, I'm going to just fans sorry. as well. I'm just saying, especially feeding off the fans with the with the packed house, it's it's going to make a massive difference. They they, they both feed off each other, the players and the fans, with the reaction to how they're playing. So that will help as well. Yeah, and I don't think, as I said, Jarlnake, with all this great respect to them, but they've they've no heard anything like this, and this is going to be the first that I don't think we're ever going to hear anything like this, given the amount of people that's going to be there and how long it's been since I've been back. Um, so I think it's going to be quite quite the experience. Uh, just quickly then, Ross, um, give me a quick score prediction for Thursday. Uh, again, five now. Five now. Laura, yourself? Uh, I'll I'll go a bit more conservative on the scoring front, uh, but I'll stick with my hope for a clean sheet, and I'll go three now. You know, what about yourself, Anthony? Uh, I'll go in between. I'll say four now. Four. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to play it safe and say four as well. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, but hi guys, uh, thank you very much for coming on uh, again. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Laura. Um, hope you've enjoyed coming back on with us. I know it's been a wee while since you've been on, uh, and I apologise. I know that you've obviously been over all this stuff, but again, it's talking about Celtic that we all love, eh? uh, and uh, I'm sure that people that are listening are still going to enjoy 
hearing your thoughts. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, no, it's been great. I think it's, uh, as you say, it's always nice to talk about Celtic and especially in a situation that's a bit more positive than it has been Absolutely. the last couple of times I've been on. Uh, and, and the interesting thing and the, the enjoyable thing about this one is we've actually been able to focus on football for the majority of it, which which wasn't always the case last season either. No, definitely not. And I think it's obviously something that we hope continues uh, as we progress through the season. Anthony, uh, Ross, you boys as well, obviously, thanks again for coming on and, 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 and spending time with us and, and giving us your thoughts. You enjoyed it? Yeah, Absolutely, mate. mate. Always love being on. Uh, yeah, and uh, here's hoping for another positive week ahead. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Great, great being on, like Laura says, and uh, just talking about football and, and positive things on the pitch. It's thoroughly enjoyed it. It's probably about uh, one of a handful that we've been able to do since the podcast started that's been that's been positive. So it's it's a, a an absolutely excellent change. Much welcome change, mate. I feel like uh, and Laura again. I apologise. There's no quiz. Obviously, a quiz master extraordinaire isn't available <laughs> to to sort of take you through that again. Uh, but I'm sure that when when he's back uh, and you come back on, you'll have a chance to obviously um, pick up some more points for the Axum. Guys, um, listen. The, not... the, the, my rider will be stadium quizzes only because I embarrassed myself against <laughs> Anthony the last time, but I didn't do bad in the stadium, so I'll take I'll take that if it's going the next time. No, yeah, bear that in mind, Stephen, uh, when you hear this. Um, but no, guys, <laughs> uh, again, uh, thank you so much uh, again for freeing up your time. Uh, I'm not even going to bother trying to mimic Stephen's outro. I've made an absolute asset the past couple of times I've tried it, <laughs> try to get a wee nod and, and keep it the same. So. <laughs> I'm just going to do it my own way <laughs> rather than embarrass myself for a third time. Um, so, uh, again, yeah, guys, thanks again for coming on uh, and for everybody that's listening and who's supported us uh, over the past few months. Uh, again, we appreciate it fully. Um, the channel's slowly, we're growing, but, albeit slowly, but we appreciate all the support, all the comments and everybody getting involved in the conversations that were happening through the YouTube chat and everything else. So, uh, thanks again to you guys. Uh, thanks again to everybody that's listening. Uh, and until next time, hail, hail. <laughs>